Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm sweating. How are you? <laughs> I am. I'm not sweating, but I'm doing fine. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, listen, this is day whatever of the quarantine, and here we are with another episode. Yeah. How many days do you think we've been in here? In total? Yeah. I think it's like 26. In, in my day 26? Day, oh, wow. That's a, that's a joke that's going to go nowhere on this episode, <laughs> but it's fine. Um... Yeah, who knows, Jeff? I I don't know. One day is another is another is another. Yeah, can I just say, okay, so there's a lot of um, anxiety about, like, people getting sick outside. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we all recognize that this is, like, there is a reason why we're staying inside. That being said. Yeah. The other day, um, I was brushing my teeth. I woke up. I I brushed my teeth. And there was, I felt something, like, cross my foot. Yeah. And it was a water bug. That's like a big roach. Yeah. Like here in New York. And we yeah. never have like any bug problems in our apartment. No, we've been lucky. But like this this bug like went across my foot and fucking like spit acid or like bit me or did something to my foot. What a bug. <laughs> and I was just like two days later with it like sort of infected on my foot. I was like, this would be the worst way to die during a pandemic if I die from a water bug bite on my foot. That would be horrible. How bad is it, Jeff? I mean, like it's it's not great. <laughs> it's not it's not terrible, but it's also like I shouldn't go to the hospital for this. Right. Are you going to lose your foot? I hope not. Are you going to lose your mind? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Jeff, who's on the podcast today? Kenny Beats is on the podcast. Shout out to Kenny Beats, man. Uh, one of our favorite people on the face of the planet. Yep. We have been friends with him for a uh, year and a half, two years, something like that. But he also knew about us very early on, and we knew about him very early on because yeah. he was friends with a family friend and yeah. he's from a neighboring town of ours yep shout out to kenny beats who um is out there in los angeles california still doing his work and doing it at the highest level catch him on twitch these days mm-hmm. um but also uh, go back and check out all of his episodes of the cave on youtube mm-hmm. which are really really great it's like it's like a new kind of uh rap city the basement you yeah. know it's like uh all these dope young artists go over and collaborate with him and spit it's not even just young artists like there's like legends who are going in there as well. i mean like young artists can be legends right? i know i was yeah. about to say i, I didn't want to like fuck that up but it's don't fine. fuck that I, up i already yeah. fucked it up yeah <laughs> listen my foot is like burning <laughs> shout out to kenny beats this is a fantastic conversation uh jeff then we go down to atlanta and we, we have lake on we link up with our friend lake who is uh one of the uh co-founders and co-presidents and co-everything along with don cannon and dj drama of Generation Now. Yep. You so know, he's behind uh, Lil Uzi Vert. Yep. Jack Harlow. Yep. DJ Drama. Uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, again, Lil James, like yeah. artists from around the country who... But that being said. Yeah. Okay. So Lake is a super nice, super smart guy. Yes. yes. And we talk about where the music industry is at. Smart things. That being said, the best part of this episode, like Kenny brings some good stuff. Yep. Our third guest brings some great stuff yeah. as well. Yeah. But the, honestly, the funniest thing <laughs> might be Lake talking about Joe Exotic and his relations yeah. with Joe Exotic. Yeah, it's incredible. Please, please enjoy that part yeah. of the episode. And then, Jeff, we go back out to L.A. Mm-hmm. for another producer. Yes, Murder Beats. Murder Beats, who, again, great conversation. We talked to him about... So much stuff like his relationship with Conway from Griselda. Yeah, I have no idea. His interest in NASCAR and Mm -hmm. racing and and also what he is better than Kenny Kenny Beats at. Yeah. It's a great episode all around. Yeah. And first, Jeff, let's call the aforementioned Kenny Beats. Yo. Yo. What's happening? 
What is the deal, boys? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm locked in the cave with a bunch of Clorox wipes all by myself. <laughs> Did somebody lock you in there? <laughs> I locked myself in there. Wait, okay. So we've we've been to the cave and uh the cave is as secure as it gets, honestly. It's a it's in in a uh a sort of deceiving building. You wouldn't know that the cave is in there. Um how when this all went down, did you decide that you were going to keep your studio open? Well, I'm, I'm actually, even pre the whole pandemic, I was building a studio for the first time um, at home. And so I'm still actually working on that. And it wasn't quite ready for everything that's going on now. So I really didn't have an option. I have to get work done. I got a lot of music that's still in the process of being finished and released and this and that. So I needed to figure out a germ-free way to get from my house to my studio every day and i got it pretty down pat there's one there's one door where i have to like wrap a clorox wipe around my hand a certain way before i unlock it but (laughs) other than that it's pretty i'm pretty much in the clear okay so dicey so (laughs) (laughs) so um you have been driving there every day what are the streets looking like empty like absolutely no traffic that there's some people during the day times but like there's a lot of cops just kind of looming and i've already heard of people getting tickets and stuff really or yeah not going to um an essential destination or for any of the guidelines so you can actually get in trouble but what i'm doing is essential to the community yeah okay yeah Um, (laughs) does this help with the rumor that you are a cop (laughs) oh my god next question (laughs) Um, one of my favorite things lately, and I know it's it's my favorite thing and Jeff's favorite thing. I'm not sure if it's your favorite thing or not, but the guy who's been sending you DMs of himself rapping. Yeah, outside or, of like a waterfall. Or, you know, quote unquote rapping. Yeah, outside of a waterfall. Uh, it's more he, of like a, a rhyming uh, like soliloquy. What? What? What is it? What is the story behind that? Um, so he's a friend of a friend and I had met him one time a while ago and people kept telling me like, yo, you should let Edward on the cave, bro. And I was like, I was like, who the fuck is Edward? I'm not not letting anybody on the cave. Like that's not how it works. I only put people on the show. If I like make a lot of music with them or I feel like it'll be uncomfortable. So people kept, they kept telling me, yeah, Edward, Edward, this, this, and that. And then, one day my boy just sent me the waterfall video and was like, yo, like he's, he like prepared this for like, he's ready. Like this is his official audition. I'm like, bro, I'm not taking auditions. Like, oh my God. Not... And so I got the waterfall video and I think they had sent me some other freestyles from Edward before and I hadn't listened to them. And now when I just pressed play on it and as soon as like it opened up and he was just like, yo, what's up, Kenny? Uh, I'm auditioning. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I got to post this. Okay. And I so mean, I posted it, and then I posted another one he sent. Yep. And then yesterday we, we FaceTimed him into my Twitch, and he went nuts. And he did a freestyle live on Twitch yesterday, and, like, it, everybody was going crazy. But now I, I put myself in another bad position, as I often do, because if I don't put this kid on the cave that's right. Now, it's that's right. A lot yeah. of angry people. <laughs> First of all, you're talking to two of them. Also, this is like the most inside job. Like you're clearly like building this. That's dude. right. You have done the best thing possible. Yeah. Like, oh, 
you know, he's a friend of a friend. <laughs> the whole thing falls apart. Ed, Edward. Ye- is- yesterday on, on Twitch, he was like, yo, I was at a fucking Loud Pack concert in 2013. I'm like, Edward, no. <laughs> is his rap no. name Edward? Um, yeah, Edward Allerton is what he's going by for rap name. Wait, does he does he replace the A's with V's? <laughs> <laughs> no. What if he just like made all of like all the Q's and his spelling were capital? Like, <laughs> so okay, uh, after this is all said and done, after we're all able to congregate and be amongst other human beings on a regular basis, yeah. you're saying there is a chance now that Edward will come to the cave and you'll shoot oh an episode. God. You should do 10 <laughs> episodes with him. <laughs> um, here's the thing about the cave. I'll never rule anything out. Like, I've I've filmed episodes of the cave before that will never see the light of day. Wow. I had to try it. So. Wow. <laughs> um, considering everybody who's been to the cave, not for the recorded YouTube series, I'm just saying like on an everyday basis, you know, we've been there. Uh, a, a lot of people just stop by to hang. Who's the most like left field person who showed up who's just been like mind blowing? Um, One time, uh, some friends of ours, the Parmar brothers, they, they run Virgin Records in the UK. Uh, they had stopped by for a meeting and the whole time they were there. They had like their homie with them, and me and Mike were kind of just like, "Damn, like that guy looks familiar." And it was like <laughs> this old, it was like this older British dude who was like the clearly the coolest, funniest guy in the room, like way cooler and funnier than all of us who were like having the meeting. And he kept just like interjecting little like witty shit. And I was like, "Damn, who is this cool guy? And why does he seem so familiar?" At the end of the meeting, he said bye, and as soon as they left, Mike was like, "Yo, like." That guy's in movies, right? And I was like, man, I don't know. Like, is he, <laughs> he seems familiar. I don't know his actual name. You still don't know his that, name? I, I looked it up that day, but he was in Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Holy shit. The Guy Ritchie movie, and I'm pretty sure he was in Snatch also. That's dope. I was hoping he was but, like Daniel Day-Lewis, and he was playing the part of an executive. I was hoping it was Edward with a British <laughs> accent. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. I, still no one explained why he was there, but he was there, and like, I remember he's like just one of those guys that you've definitely seen in a movie a whole time. Like I couldn't, I can't, couldn't tell you what his name was, but that's so another wild. Another time, another time via the same people, I had a whole session with Idris Elba. I was just gonna say that's that's wild. Also British, also in <laughs> Snatch and Lots. <laughs> Um, yeah! Wow, I don't think he's in Snatch. Yeah, no, 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 but he is British. <laughs> <laughs> um, we we had you on our podcast, "Waste of Time with It's the Real," uh, that we did from our apartment in New York, uh, maybe about a year and a half ago. And since then, you've done a ton of stuff. But one of our most favorite things is that you went down to Hawaii with Rick Rubin, right? I did. Was that I? That was after I saw you guys. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Mike came with me. Yeah. Uh, what was that whole experience like? And had you been to Hawaii before? Um, I went to Hawaii one time when I was a young kid for like two days. And I, I couldn't really remember it. I was very young. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, there had been this back and forth because I, I even in got like your interview. I th- I'm pretty sure with you guys, I probably dropped something about Rick Rubin. Like yes. I would just always yeah. kind of m- mention him. As far as like the ethos of what I'm going for with not just like my career trajectory, but how I move in the room with people and all this kind of stuff. And I, I don't know if that got back to Rick or what happened, but people from his team and his like, like publishing company and 
people from Shangri-La, like we're reaching out and just say, hey, we should get you and Rick in a room. You guys should just meet, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, holy shit. And the first time they hit me up, I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I was kind of just like, I'm not ready. I feel like I was working on so much like street shit at the time. I, I saw where I was going with it. But I feel like if I went and sat in a room with the producer that I idolized and I had to tell him, okay, this is what I'm working on. This is who I'm working with. This is what I'm doing. This and that, da, da, da. I wouldn't be able to give him the scope of what I felt like my first conversation with him should be like. So I said no when I initially got the opportunity to meet Rick. And later, um, around that time, around a year ago, we got a call and they were like, hey, would Kenny be into meeting Rick when he gets back to California or would you be down to go check him in Hawaii? And we were like, uh, Hawaii? (laughs) (laughs) So... We ended up getting booked for Hawaii. We went to Hawaii um, for exactly one day. And we were only there for one day. And I flew in. We got to the hotel. About an hour after I was at the hotel, a random number texted me and said, RR is pulling up. Oh, my God. Fuck. Yeah. Like, who? Like, I had no idea what that meant. Even though I'm there to see Rick Rubin for some reason. (laughs) I mean, I know what it means, but, like, that's crazy. Like, who? And then. He, uh, he pulls up in this big old pickup truck. I walk out with my manager. He's like, hey, what's up? I'm like, hey, what's up? And he's like, uh, he's like, you coming with us to my manager? <laughs> and and Mike was like, and like he was saying, it, he was saying like he should come. And Mike was like, no, no, like I'm going to chill back. And Rick was like, all right. And I went and got in the car and Rick Rubin drove me around Hawaii for about, I'd say, two and a half or three hours in you're, that truck. You're kidding and me. No, about three hours in the car, and we went and stopped for coffee one time. And besides that, we just drove around the perimeter of the island on the coast, basically. And I played him at the time all of Anger Management with Rico Nasty, which had not come out yet. Yeah, I played him a bunch of other music I was working on, like and almost like just like a, a lot of stuff from the last surrounding years. You know, I've never met the guy, and it's my idol. I wanted to just give him a reference point for where I've been at, and I played him all that music. He said a few like nice things. He said a few things that he didn't like about stuff, and we had a great combo. And I left, and I was like, "Wow, that's the day! Like that was the day I got to spend with him. I'll always remember that. That was awesome. I got to meet my idol, gave me a lot of insight, and I thought that was it. I went home the next day. A month later, I got a text from Rick, and he was like, "Yo, like I'm doing this podcast with Malcolm Gladwell. We need we need music. Oh my god! I was, like, I was like Malcolm Gladwell, like." Outliers, Malcolm Gladwell? <laughs> like he's like, yeah, and I was like, all right, and he's, uh, let me whip something together. I made him some music. I ended up doing the music for Broken Record, his podcast with Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah, their theme music to this day is, is done by me. And uh, so then crazy. he hit me up to hang out. Went hung out one time at Shangri La, and then slowly we just developed this friendship. Where now we've co-produced records. Um, I've done a lot of shit like with Rick and surrounding Rick. Where like he did an interview series with Pharrell. Me and Thundercat did the music for it. Yeah, like all just different little ancillary things but through him i've met people like uh cory henry i've met people like madison ryan ward um i went hung out with the brockhampton guys at shangri-la like he's he's basically just taking me in without any kind of like contractual necessity or us working together from any specific kind of that's really beautiful kind of like yeah he just hits me up randomly we have random talks random hangouts work on random stuff and there's no timeline to it there's no oh eventually he'll want to sign my publishing or we'll do some kind of deal it's just like the most free form cool thing 
you think it would be. It's as barefoot as you think. It yeah. Would. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, is he somebody who's like good at making in those in those first conversations? Was he like making small talk or was he was it like such universal questions that you can almost barely grasp like the enormity of it? Um, more the latter. I feel like he doesn't really small talk. I feel like if, when you small talk with Rick, you see him get kind of fed up and you don't ever really see him get fed up. But when you're kind of just doing the, oh yeah, what's been up? Oh yeah, this and that. And it's like that tone, he just seems so disinterested from, from what I've found later hanging out with him. The first day I hung out with him, it was like the first question was so fucking deep. Not, not in an ironic, like insane way, but we were talking about my childhood within the first 15, 20 minutes in the car, you know? Wow. Like, like Just like a podcast. Yeah, actually, and, we did that already. <laughs> but you kind of get in the car with him, and it's like, I remember having, like, similar feelings, like, like when I met when I met Frank Ocean, or when I met, when you meet certain people, you have this, this, this enormous respect for, or they kind of have this, like, insane kind of, like, mythic clout to them. Yeah. Whenever you get in the car with a person like that, they go, what's up? <laughs> it, it, it doesn't feel the same as what's up normally you know you kind of take it as like oh my am i not supposed to talk about music am i should, should i go deep about what's actually up with me should i not tell this <laughs> like you're, you're so in your head you know and like when rick starts the combo and he's just being real normal and then he says like so like tell me about yourself yeah you know you got you have to have some discretion and really like you, you guys know me I'll, I'll talk for 45 minutes no problem <laughs> if you set me off so like I remember just being 20 minutes in the car with Rick and I already have like told him a lot of stuff about myself and realizing like, Oh, I feel very open and comfortable talking to this guy about it. That's he awesome. Already, I got out of the car with him for the first time and he knew so much about me. Every conversation we've had about music or all the typical things we're supposed to talk about since then are so informed by the first time that I met him. I, I wonder if that's his process of people normally. I don't really know, but it feels like, now when I have a conversation with Rick about music or something, it comes from such a different standpoint because he already spent the first couple of days we met getting all the let like let's figure each other out shit out the way. Yeah, now absolutely. Really but but does he allow you to figure him out as well? Like is he is he vulnerable in the same way that you are? I I've never I've never had him stray away from any question or anything I've ever asked him. So I think he definitely is vulnerable, but um I think because Rick has this kind of tall tale thing about him being like the guy who walks through the room and doesn't say or touch anything and makes the best records and he's barefoot and he does all these different things and he everyone thinks Shangri-La is his house and there's all these weird rumors about Rick and I think when you get to meet him you realize how real of a guy he is and yeah. the reason he could connect with a Johnny Cash or an Adele or a Metallica or a Run DMC or a or Jay Z yeah. Was. Kenny, he's just a real dude. It's like it's a guy you'd like to have around, you know. Yeah, Kenny. Uh, Whether it's like, oh, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no. So you you normally work in uh well b before you're building a, you know your home studio. The cave is a uh, it's a control room where people can like hang, and then there's the booth, and it's a really simple setup, and it's kind of like you can just if it, I don't I don't know if this is because like we've seen you in action or watched you on your videos or understand that like that environment sort of fits you, but. What's the difference between such a f small focused thing and the the uh, kind of myth, you know, the the mythic uh, environment that is Shangri-La? Well, I've found something to be very like a really weird dichotomy in my brain over the last couple of years. I've been fortunate enough to 
go to some legacy studios, Shangri-La being one of them, which honestly feels more like a house, but like Electric Lady yep. right by you guys yep. in New York. Um, I want to say Milk Boy. I might be saying it wrong. A spot in Philly where D'Angelo and The Roots and a ton of people work where mm. Tierra and Uzi do a lot of their stuff now. Yep. I've gone to these certain rooms. Or I was just working at The Church in London which like where the Eurythmics used what? to do their stuff. Wow. Has, wow. Like I was, I was sitting at the SSL console that they mix kid a for Radiohead on, you know, wow. like, when you're working in these mythical kind of places or these rooms where the greatest records of all time have been made, like you're in a studio in electric lady and it's the talking book piano from Stevie wonder that then <laughs> became the piano that D'Angelo played on voodoo. And now you're sitting at it. Yeah. And you're like, Holy fucking shit. Like when you're in those rooms, it's weird because the way I've developed my music making process in somewhere like the cave is out of bare necessity. Even yeah. the room itself is small and kitschy and all these kinds of things because I didn't have enough money and that was the studio I could get. Right. And now that I've made, I've made some money on music and stuff and I can afford to get different equipment in a different space. I won't leave the space because of the energy. The, the similarity between those studios and my studio is energy and when i go to those places i don't utilize the equipment i don't utilize the unbelievable like johnny cash guitar that's sitting there at shangri-la or the d'angelo stevie wonder piano that's sitting there at uh electric, electric lady, lady. Like, yeah yeah, yeah I, I never use the equipment i'm on my laptop like people who have been able to see me really make music unless i'm with a singer songwriter or i'm tracking instruments i can go zero to 60 with just my trackpad you know i don't even need a mouse so when i'm in these rooms the energy is what i'm there for i'm not there for you know what i mean the the building or to spend a bunch of money on studio time i can get everything i need done with a, a pair of speakers and an aux cord yeah so i go to those rooms because the people who made music in those rooms before me inspire me so much that when i'm sitting in there i don't know it's just like it's got a, a different type of like agenda like i feel like okay today i can make something that i could never have made before because the people who did them impossible were in this same fucking room these same four walls these same speakers so if i'm in here and there and here like i gotta do it you know that's that's what those rooms give you i, I think some people are like oh i want to record tape i want to work in analog i want to use all these crazy instruments that i don't have that's not my personal process yeah so, yeah for me, it's just a vibe thing, really. I hate to say the word, but it is. A no, vibe. yeah, yeah. Well, I'm a curator of vibes, so there you like, go. I, yeah. I, I really, um, <laughs> I appreciate you. Uh, that's, what, that. that's what my weed man has in his bio on Instagram. <laughs> Shout out a, to him. Yeah, I think you need a new weed man. Um, <laughs> so we also have Murder Beats on this episode, and I was wondering. I was wondering, you know, everybody was was uh, spreading around this thing about you guys battling one another on Instagram. I honestly don't care about that. I want to know what's one thing that you could beat him in, not musically. Um, I'll beat Murda in any kind of like actual cooking. I know he's Chef Murda. He has a chef chain. His chef <laughs> chain. His chef chain probably costs more than everything in my kitchen. But... <laughs> I, get, I there's no way he's seeing me in the actual kitchen on the stove. Okay, no so way. given that, given that, uh, what have you been up to in the kitchen while you've been at home and sort of away from you know takeout or restaurants or or yeah, anything Kenny's in the outside be like, world? I buy a bunch of Progresso soup. <laughs> <laughs> well, I you guys already know I, I do cook as yes. is, but now I'm it's a different side of cooking because one 
I, I haven't eaten out a single time in probably a month now yeah, yeah. or had delivery or anything like that. So I'm cooking a, a lot more and I'm in a new place. So yeah. I'm really getting, I'm getting used to my stove, my oven, the heat, the lack thereof, whatever it is, the vent, like cooking every single day has taught me so much about my crib and my kitchen that I'm, everything is getting better slowly, but freezing and defrosting has become <laughs> like, the new thing in my life that I'm trying to figure out because before I used to be like I would buy meat or seafood or produce or whatever right ahead for the week and knew pretty much like the four or five things I was going to cook. That's what I needed in my fridge. Yeah. And now like I'm not a hoarder and I don't want to go crazy on the supplies or do anything like that. But I definitely try to put stuff away for a couple weeks of time now. Yeah. And that means you got to freeze stuff and that means you got to like whenever you go to the the chicken counter or whatever and there's not that much today anyway knowing grocery stores and where you guys are where yeah, i am yeah like when you get there and all you see is like let's say some chicken thighs that go bad in two days or say sell by three days from now i've had to learn to like all right let me go freeze those a couple of days early yeah let me defrost them and what do i do to like make these defrosted meats in my like freezer as delicious as all the fresh shit i used to buy and like honestly marinades and brines and all these different types of like overnight sauces I've been learning. Love I'm it. Really like love I've it. I've learned some of my favorite dishes ever now, and I could take a, like a frozen chicken thigh and make you a four star meal. Like I Shit. swear to God. Shit. Um, I made a I made a pan sauce out of white wine, chicken stock, sugo, and some drippings the other day, and then I baked the thighs in that sauce unbelievable by the way this is the stuff that i would love to watch if you like put that on your twitch <laughs> like yeah I would, like, no i think we're, we're actually working on it i don't know if i'm gonna do it on twitch but i will announce here for the first time on uh -oh. that there is a cooking don't overthink shit something coming yeah <laughs> yeah good name I'll, I'll that, very very good name I, I don't know what the equivalent of the cave would be for the kitchen but it's it should be, be like don't that. over bake shit hey there we, there we go <laughs> <laughs> don't overcook shit yeah. yeah so you have a new house like you just said and you know it's this is a very like economically like weird time you know like you did say Straight. your your business hasn't slowed down but the music business as a whole is sort of like on shaky ground right now like ascap ran out of money streaming is down it's just a like there's no touring it's a weird few months that we're going to be going through or or year even so like have you had any anxiety about like being in a new place and spending more money on on your real estate a hundred percent um I, i've probably talked to you guys about this like off air but i like i've never lived in a house before my whole life i've lived in apartments my entire life and i've never like you know what i mean had yeah. the opportunity to be fortunate enough to be in a house and now that i've like got myself one you know what i mean i every day am scared of being broke like no matter what and i felt like that way before there was a pandemic or anything because i grew up not having as much money as my friends and stuff. i grew up in connecticut right, right? yeah and right. all for a second think that i think that i had a super hard upbringing or this and that but the fact is I always grew up living in apartments and I was only one of my friends who was in apartments. Mm -hmm. Everybody else had a house and I had less money than my friends and always had a complex about it. And because all my friends went on to work in business and you know what I mean? And work on NASDAQ and do all these types of things. And I went into music. There's always this thing in the back of your head when you're someone who makes music or you've had 
trouble in your past with money about, oh, this could all be gone in a second. Even when a good thing happens or you get a plaque or you get a check or whatever, you're like, okay, I'm like only months away from spending this the wrong way and going right back. So I always am trying to have a plan B, plan C, plan D, plan E. One thing that worked out great with the pandemic that I couldn't have planned for was we already were talking to Twitch a lot before any of the virus stuff. And I was already planning to start streaming. Mm, So I had this thing and it wasn't going to be as full time as it is now, but I definitely in the back of my mind, the way I learned about YouTube starting a fan base on there and stuff and like how much of a whole other world that was that I wasn't like familiar with. I knew that Twitch was the same way. And I knew I was going to slowly get on there and maybe make some beats on there or whatever. But this thing hit all the touring, like you guys said, all the shows that were planned, everything that was going on got canceled. All the sessions got canceled to make new music. So besides like fixing up songs that were already half done, getting shit out that was going to be put out anyway, or remotely making music, I was trying to figure out like, okay, what am I going to do? Not only to, to, to fill my time but to make money or to do anything with all this extra time now you know because music's what i do and it's all i do and there's no other thing i'm not yeah. going to start you know what i mean like jarring pickles i don't know how to do it <laughs> I would if I could. not yet not yeah. yet don't overreach yet. it yeah not yet so basically like i hopped on twitch for for one day with my same team behind me who does the cave with me don't overthink shit and we just kind of like tried to design it our way tried to do it our way you know and all of a sudden it's like I'm over here like really teaching kids in depth in a way I never could on Instagram live or anywhere else and created this whole new community. And within a week, like two weeks, like we're throwing a $5,000 cash prize with engineers with mixed by Ali for kids. You know what I mean? To mix a record that I produced and get a bunch of money while they're struggling right now. It's like, we're, we're putting money back into the community. We're teaching kids how to stay inspired during all this bullshit. It's like, I'm so lucky that, my team had the foresight to think about this streaming stuff a little bit ahead of the pandemic and for us to be able to like be building this platform in the drought right now. That's really awesome. Providing, providing some kind of hope and some kind of opportunity for kids, you know what I mean, who are feeling the same panic that I am or anybody else is. Yeah, yeah. Um, by the way, so we saw you speak at NYU. Um, got to hang out with Mike Power there as well. Shout out to Mike. But I, Mike. I I love that you give so much advice to kids, and I love that you do it on every platform that you do have. Um, I was wondering what percentage when you when you look back on it, what what percentage is like good advice and what percentage is bad advice that I've given out? Yeah. I, I, in my mind, I, I try not to give out a lot of bad advice. Well, no, of course you don't try to. <laughs> I mean, it, it, like, here, here's how I think about it when I say anything. Like, I, I always try to have a caveat somewhere about I don't know I, the answer. I don't, you know what I mean, have all the accolades and all the things that I want, and I'm still working in this just like anyone else. But what I can speak on is going from not – being sure how I'm going to pay my rent and what's what the fuck I'm going to do next to a year later working with artists I never dreamt I could and being able to pay my rent and help my family and I can tell them exactly what I did to do that so good advice bad advice it might be both but the thing is it's just true and it's my 
path. And so it, it's it's never meant to be anything more than that. And I hope people don't like come in halfway through something I'm saying or one of the platforms I'm talking to kids on or talking to people on and see what I'm saying and take it as preachy or take it as what I think is the right way to go or how people should move. It's just how I moved and what worked. And I'm 28 years old and the scheme of the people I'm talking to on my platforms all the time, I'm at the upper end of the age group. Yeah. And so I can say like, if you're 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, whatever it is, like I was super confused and not doing the right things and making bad moves up until 25, 26 years old when I got my head on straight, straight and I started moving differently and surrounding myself with different types of people and da -da -da, focusing on different things. And like, that's where all of the advice I give comes from is like, it worked for me. Yeah, it might yeah. not work for you. you yeah. know what I mean, I, when I try to tell, tell kids like how I met Johnny Shipes, you know what I mean? In yeah. 2009, Twitter was a different place in 2009, you know? It's not comparable. So, it's is is it advice? Yeah, but really, it's more kind of just like my open book. Exactly, it's your right. story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah the more time, the more people can take away from that and apply it to themselves, the better. Kenny, can you just before you go, can you uh, just say what makes our mutual friend Alex Tumay one of the best in the business from from your from your perspective, or the worst? I mean, like I don't want to put words in your mouth. <laughs> Um, uh, Alex, I think is one of the best because he's just impervious to fads, taste, and genre when it comes to what he wants to work on. We all know him for thug stuff, and we know he was a part of Childish Gambino stuff, and we see him mixing Rihanna vocals on the party album with 40, and you see all the giant things, but what you don't see is like, when a producer like me comes to Alex with something that they don't even want to show the world yet, that they're really left of center with mm. and doesn't have a lot of money behind it or whatever the fuck. And Alex goes, Oh no, this is dope. Uh, let me mix it. Whatever about the money. Mm -hmm. Like Alex is truly one of those guys, you know, and for him to be someone that like one of the most innovating rap artists of all time, like holds him that fucking closely. And then, he can go over mix a Rihanna vocal and within the same week take on a, a huge risk and do it justice. Like me and Alex are putting out an entire punk album pretty soon. You know, like wow. I, 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 he's one person I can trust to go in the depths with me for wrong or for right. No matter what I'm doing, I can trust that he's gonna fucking forge ahead. You know, and like ha having a mix engineer like that as a producer or even as a listener of an artist, like that's what you need that's when you get great music is when someone like that is willing to do some shit that they think is fucking cool and based on nothing else but that you yeah know? um i so okay i used to hop into your instagram lives and i would cause problems in your life i felt like by trolling <laughs> and then zach fox came into your life and and elevated like problems in your life to a whole different degree um because he's like the king of trolls so like tell me about like your relationship like how did you guys meet what did you guys connect on uh, i've been a fan of zach for a while uh, previous aliases he had like little nissan jessica booty math <laughs> other other instances of zach fox i was also a, a big fan and follower of like awful records and their whole movement yep a lot of people don't realize like when you first heard playboy cardi it was coming from that area of atlanta you know what i mean you would see him on songs with ethereal and like 
and with father yeah and like shout that out to father shit like yeah so uh i was always a fan of like zach's whole click and his comedy and then on the internet we kind of got cool just like like brushing across each other's timelines or whatever and then when i started working as kenny beats again back in rap stuff because i was a fan of zach before i was back to kenny beat shit mm-hmm. um zach was just like promoting a lot of the shit that i was working on regardless of us following each other or anything he was just always posting it or making his own memes or trolling or whatever about the music i was making so we ended up talking in the dms um and i think i didn't want to come in and like yo bro we should kick it like you're so <laughs> funny like let's be homies like even though that's probably in my mind i was like well this guy's the man like you should invite him to a party like i i like to hit people up with a purpose whenever i'm a big fan of them so i hit zach up and i was like yo i'm doing this thing in atlanta i'm throwing this show uh would you be down to be the mc and just like have a microphone the whole night and say whatever the fuck you want and zach was like all right (laughs) and we ended up living in a house in atlanta together for that whole show like me him my manager mike like alex russell who's one of zach's best friends who now lives with mike who's one of our best friends who wrote He's a staff writer on Dave, Lil Dicky show, like uh, all, the whole Don't Ever Think Shit squad. We all lived in a house together for a week, and that week was treacherous. Uh, <laughs> Zach's sober now. He was not bad. We all were very, very, very loose in Atlanta. And we came back to L.A., and we always were super cool and just kept hanging out. And as the, the artists I was working with would change or the relationships would further, I would try to include Zach with, like, the – the branding, the marketing, ideas for videos, whatever, because I just thought his mind was just so like amazing for that kind of stuff, rather than just like tweets and the content he was putting out. And after Zach had helped out with some shit I was working on with some artists, he kept talking about doing his album, doing his album, and we ended up making songs. And I regret every minute. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny, uh, listen. Stay safe out there. We love you. Take care of yourself. Stay creative. Um, stay indoors, you know, and uh, and we'll be staying in touch soon. Thanks again for this and for everything, and uh, we'll be talking, all right? Man, can't wait to come check y'all after this is over. Thanks for having me, and thank you guys for putting this together during this bullshit. It's really easy to not be inspired, but I feel like people need this, and I've already seen you guys have, like, some amazing combos. So thank you for putting this together. Thanks Man, we, thank we you. appreciate that. We'll talk soon, all right? All right, talk to you guys soon. Jeff, let's go down to Atlanta and link up with our friend, Lake. All right. Hello. Lake, what up? What's happening? My brothers, what's going on? How are you? Uh, Enjoying my quarantine Wednesday. (laughs) Yo, Uh, Lake, when was the last time that you like, not went outside like to sit outside, but went outside to actually like get something accomplished? Um, other than going to the grocery store, going to the bank. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, what's crazy is actually the last time I was in New York, I think we were going to come see you guys. We were in New York for, uh, for Jack's press release. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're going to do run. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I think that that morning, either Thursday or Friday, we were supposed to either come see you guys and go do an interview at Apple music with Ebro. Yeah. It was his birthday. Jack's, yeah, Jack's birthday. Yeah. Yeah, and we uh we got a call from everybody saying everybody canceled. So that was my last flight. I flew to Louisville for his birthday that day, and then I came home and I haven't left since. Yeah. Um. So being inside all this time, how yes. is your how how is your mental? Uh, 
my mental's fine. You know, I have, uh, I mean, I, I've, I've already been through my midlife crisis. Day, so, <laughs> so, uh, so I'm fine. I mean, I, I live at home. My wife's here. All three of our kids are here. Um, you know, I have a one-year-old, a five-year-old, and eleven-year-old. That's yeah. probably been the biggest adjustment, like having them here all day, every day. Yeah. Praise, praise all the teachers in America. Jesus. For Christ. real, yeah, yeah. Like how, <laughs> yeah. how much of uh, like you have to like do like Zoom stuff for the kids, like in their their uh, their classroom and stuff. Like how involved do you have to be, especially with your five-year-old and your one-year-old, in like everything yeah. they're doing. So the the. The five-year-old and my 11-year-old actually have Zoom classes every morning, and they have a, a tutor come uh, twice a week. Mm. So we try to just keep them ahead of the curve, you know? And, yep. uh, my one-year-old just makes it all difficult to do it all. <laughs> you know she's, she's just coming around, you know, slamming doors, making noises. All she's the only, you know, she's a girl, and I got two other boys. So yeah. She's the baby, and she's a baby girl, so she kind of gets her way. But, uh definitely been a lot more engaged definitely uh understand that i may not be as smart as a third grader right now <laughs> uh, and it's just interesting to see how they learn they learn differently even the way they learn how to add and subtract and multiply is just different than i was taught you know so yeah as much as i'm teaching i'm doing a lot of learning too so it's pretty cool um how are you learning to do business from your home these days um man uh that's probably been i wouldn't say the toughest adjustment but it's been an adjustment i have a home office but it's kind of just there for show you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, uh, you know what we at our studio as you know generation our studio is based in downtown atlanta so i'm used to uh to my normal routine of like working out at 10 30 and then getting to the office between 12 and 1 and stay until 8 yeah that's probably been the toughest like having you know zoom meetings every day and uh Still trying to keep the 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 energy flowing through, you know, people not seeing each other and so on and so forth. But, um, you know, my life does consist of a ton of conference calls anyway, so that's not, you know, it's not really affecting me too much. But just the ability to get out and keep my staff motivated, keep the young producers motivated, see the interns, everything. That's the only thing that's changed a lot. I mean, like, are people still looking at deal or looking at like things that are happening in the next month, or is everything sort of pushed like six months down the line? Like, wh where are you? What what is your forecast? So, it, in terms of work, like in terms of recording and stuff, uh, our original plan was to open everything up April first. Of course, that's been changed since the citywide curfew, and uh, in Atlanta, I think our curfew's been extended to May thirteenth. Yeah. So. As of right now, we're probably going to keep the studio shut down for a month just because, you know, it, it's so hard to monitor interaction with other people aside from the people that we have here, whether it's an engineer, whether it's an intern or anything. We don't know where they've been, who they, you know, come in contact with. So it's looking like as far as the recording aspect of it, um, we're probably not going to get back to actually like functionally recording in our studio till about mid-May. Wow. Um, but the good thing, of course, that's, you know, to happen from all this is is we've been allowed to release a lot of music including uzi's album you know so yeah. that's been a blessing two times so, yeah yes double time yeah <laughs> <laughs> so we were able to release that we were able to put jack's project out uh we were actually in the process of uh of releasing drama's album you know right 
at this time. So this is that's kind of been slowed down a little bit, but we're able to put some good music out. So that's been a blessing. That's super dope. And in terms of music that people are looking to record now, are you still like, are your hands still like in all those different pies, making sure that like someone from this side of the country can still be in touch with someone on the other side of the country and that like things actually get finished? Yeah, absolutely. Still hands on with all that stuff. Definitely. And how is your uh, like outlook in terms of like traditional outlets, you know, right now? Because, you know, you can't do the in-person interviews and you can't yeah. necessarily go to visit radio DJs and make sure that they like play records and you can't, you know, do things like we did a month, two months ago. Right now, right. It's, now it's a new world. Certainly people aren't touring and there's no festivals. How do you uh, yeah, like what are adapt? the workarounds? Yeah, I mean, I think that's been the toughest thing for everybody to figure out. Uh, the crazy thing is, is we had a meeting with the uh, with the Atlantic staff prior to this happening. I actually, went to Julie's house, and um, yeah, we heard she we was doing thinking, meetings out of there. Yeah, yeah, we were doing meetings at her house, and we actually had a meeting. At, I think I was in there. I think Kalani was in there at the same time, and mm-hmm. it just ended up being kind of like a roundtable with her and her management team. And you know, everybody was kind of excited going into this time releasing music because we thought it would like drive streaming crazily. You know, yeah, and allow yeah. people to. But it's kind of been the opposite. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, like, uh, people people don't have that commute. You know, they're not, like, right. in a train, they're not in a car, not on an airplane, certainly. Or even just, like, going out at night. Yeah. Exactly. And now we're seeing the effects of, you know, how... And, and this is something that I think about, you know, every day. I have these conversations with Tuma and even Max and Carl Cherry over at Spotify yeah, right yeah. now. You know, trying to figure out, you know not just the analytics but how to how to differentiate between like uh uh a consumer just that just listens casually and an actual consumer that wakes up every morning and listens to it religiously you know and i think right now what we're finding out is is a lot of people that listen to music especially like on these servicing sites and on these dsps they listen to it casually you know they listen to it going to work or they listen to it when they're in traffic or when they're on the train or when they're walking to the next spot or on their lunch break yeah when people are at home they aren't just going right to spotify or apple music and saying hey i wake up let me turn my life soundtrack on that's not happening and do you find any any truth in the idea that people listen to a lot of catalog stuff while they're home like that, it's, um, that it's more like you know things from the '80s and '90s. Yeah, like more like comfort food rather, rather than like trying something new. Yeah, well, I think what's happening is is households are now full. So you have a household like myself, you know, that has me, my wife, my 11 year old son. You know, I want to listen to Mob Deep and Tribe Called Quest all day. Yeah. Wait, your 11 year old doesn't want to listen to that? That's so crazy. <laughs> no, my 11 year old wants to hear Uzi. He wants to hear Cardi. He wants yeah. to hear those guys all yeah. day. My wife wants to hear Sam Smith. Yeah. So nine times out of ten, my wife is going to rule the world and walk around here and stay with me all day. So I think that that's had a lot to do with it. And I think honestly, a lot of people are spending more times with their more time with their families right now. A lot of more kids. A lot of kids are doing different things. Maybe playing outside. Um. You know, just not consuming music the way that we consume music, per se. Yeah. yeah. Um, one thing one thing that we discussed with you, uh, I think a week ago, maybe maybe a week and a half ago, when Tiger King was, uh, you know, the number one thing on everyone's mind. Everyone was binging through it. Everyone was, like, you know, talking about it on social media. Uh, you jumped up on Twitter and you were like, hey, so uh, I haven't watched this, but uh, I have actually had a transaction with the guy and um 
I would say that it is the best and worst experience of my life. Um, Absolutely. How, how in the world did you cross paths with Joe Exotic? The Tiger King. Okay. <laughs> so maybe about four years ago, uh, maybe maybe about maybe three and a half or four years ago, um, as Uzi was starting to rise, he started having this love for quote-unquote animals, right? So he ended up getting a dog that we ended up having to take care of, and yeah. then he got a hairless cat. I don't know if you guys remember that, and I think he still has that cat. <laughs> Like the cat that's on Austin Powers. Yeah, exactly. Dr. Evil. Dr. Yeah. Evil so we, we got the dog, we got the hairless cat, and then I want to say he got like a lizard or some crazy shit like yo, that or, like, or, or gecko. I don't know what it was. So, you know, and all this is happening in our studio because at the time he had an apartment <laughs> was living at our spot. So we literally had like a wildlife museum at our house. Oh, my God. And Sway Lee came by one day and had a monkey. <laughs> he brought the monkey to the studio? He brought the monkey to the studio. So <laughs> Uzi became infatuated with wanting to get a monkey. So I called a friend at the time, and I'm not going to say who he is, but I called a friend at the time who had a bunch of exotic animals in Las Vegas. Um, and he was like, look, it's going to be hard for me to get it here from Las Vegas, but I got a guy in Florida right now. <laughs> that is kind of trying to dump off some animals. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, you know, and this is a transaction for a fucking monkey. You know what I mean? Yo. So I'm like, all right, so what do we have to do? <laughs> so he gives me this number and I call this guy and he wasn't going by Joe Exotic. He was just <laughs> Joe. So I call him and, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to talk to some super intelligent, like, guy <laughs> like saving the wildlife. And it's this fucking estranged redneck, like, going crazy on the phone. If you ain't got no cash, don't even call me. If you ain't got no cash, you got to be cash. Or like, Wait a minute. First of all, you're, you're hustling me a monkey like I'm buying an eighth of wheat. <laughs> Slow down. It's in Florida. All right, well, how am I going to get it? You got to come down here and drive and get it. And I'll show you what to do with it when you come down here and go get it. He's going to give you instructions. Pretty much. So we go to Florida. <laughs> and the crazy part about it is like watching the documentary now, I'm seeing like Carol Baskin. Oh I guess, my was God. In Florida. Like, yo. And all this shit. So we go to Florida <laughs> and we meet this guy. And he has about 10 monkeys. He has about four or five tigers. On him? Literally. <laughs> he's living, he's living on somewhat of a farm which i saw when he was on the run i guess that's where he was when he was on the run which oh i found out i bought it from him when he was on the run oh my god Florida. oh my god yeah. so so we go we grab the <laughs> monkey from the guy he gives us he gives cannon's cousin keith who uzi who uzi had his rant about maybe like six months ago when he was like and y'all gave my monkey away that's the monkey that he's talking about <laughs> Uh, but he gave us instructions and we actually I want to say we did we give the monkey back <laughs> I think we ended up giving the monkey back but I ended up having to call him another time to try to buy another one and his phone was disconnected and now I find out why because I guess he was locked up oh my god wait, wait how did you okay so first of all who who went down to Florida me and Keith <laughs> who's Cannon's cousin and, and we and they got the monkey, and we had the monkey driven back from Florida and Atlanta in a sprinter. In a sprinter? Yeah, the, the, in a luxury sprinter. The, the monkey rode in luxury Wait, and got to Atlanta, so, and he would just d destroy everything. Was, like, yeah, of course. It's a fucking monkey. 
Right. You had the monkey in a luxury sprinter, like with fucking like you know some movie on in the back. <laughs> yeah, you had like a uh, champagne. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably listening to the uh, mix of the Perfect Love too. Yeah, exactly. Perfect, perfect Love. Yo. Perfect Love. Wait, had yeah. you had you ever bought exotic animals before this? Nah, I had never bought an exotic animal, but I I had seen them a few places before. I I like I said, I had a friend in in Vegas that had like twenty of them. And I'd be like, what the hell? And he used to keep him in his house. Um, and then I had another friend that was an NBA player. I'm not going to say who he is. Yeah. He kept a couple of them, too. He had a tiger and a couple of wild birds. So so you've been around forward. these, like, you know, indoor zoos before. <laughs> I have, yeah. And then Mean Streets had become one for a second. <laughs> yeah. until we, had to, we had to ban all wild animals from coming in the studio when the NBA Youngboy episode happened, which was even more hilarious. <laughs> And that was when, like, he brought like a, like a, t- uh, a monkey, also, he, right? He brought a, he brought a wild tiger. Sure. <laughs> so <laughs> yes, which I believe he bought from uh, Joe Exotic, also. Uh, we've we've been to Mean Streets a, a number of times. It is a classy place. Yeah, it oh, is yes. a, and so it, is it a deserves classy animals. Fully functioning business. How when he right. when he walked it in to the studio. <laughs> What was anybody's re- like? What was what was the receptionist's reaction? <laughs> okay, so this is the exact story. And, and what's crazy is I sat with NBA YoungBoy maybe about like a year ago to possibly start managing him. And when I brought up that I was partners with DJ Drama, the first thing that he said was, "Oh yeah, I remember y'all. Y'all kicked me out of the studio because of my tiger." <laughs> so I was like, "Damn, this kid has a memory like an elephant." But. Long story short, me and Drama were actually in L.A. Uh, Drama was doing uh, Greystone in L.A. on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. We we get a call from an intern, breathing hard, panicking, and he's like, sorry to call you guys on a Sunday. You know, I'm sorry. I'm really, really sorry, you know. But there's pretty much a wild tiger loose just pretty much like walking around the studio. (laughs) So, our, of course, our first instinct is like, what the fuck? So, of course, we call Uzi. And we're like, yo, Uzi, what the hell? He's like, I ain't got no tiger, you know. Da, 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 I ain't got no tiger. That's you gave boy. away my monkey. Yeah. No, but at the time, Uzi still had the monkey. Oh. So, Uzi had the monkey in the studio. And I guess Youngboy was in the studio, too. And he brought his tiger. Now, remember, this is NBA Youngboy, the early Youngboy from Baton Rouge. Oh, like, yeah. He got 10 young boys with him from Baton Rouge. Yeah. All of them look like they not the ones to play with at yeah, all and, yeah. and the intern you know this is a, a 19 year old white kid that goes to georgia state you know <laughs> and he's like you know i don't want to go and tell this guy he has to remove his tiger but literally like they don't have a leash on him or anything he's literally just roaming around the studio so he facetimes us and shows us the tiger and he's roaming <laughs> around so drums furious so drama calls montana who is uh <laughs> who is young boy's right hand man is like yo you know, we want y'all to record here, bro, but you can't have a tiger <laughs> roaming around the studio like you've got my intern scared to death. <laughs> and, and Montana's such a real dude. I, I got nothing but love for him. The first thing he says was, is, y'all motherfuckers got a zoo in here anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so y'all got monkeys and everything, but we're like, yeah, a monkey's not a wild tiger. Like, a tiger can kill anybody in a minute. So Yo. he ended up having to take the tiger outside and <laughs> the intern FaceTime me later on and young boy had one of his homeboys sitting outside in the parking lot watching his tiger in a cage. Just what? <laughs> yeah, so that was our episode. So he's, 
so to say the least, young boy never came back to Mean Streets after that. <laughs> so, uh, so okay. Given all of that, uh, and and having not watched the documentary uh, when we spoke to you, you have subsequently seen it. What do you think of Joe Exotic in that whole world? Yeah, would you buy another tiger from him? <laughs> I'm not buying any animals that are exotic. First of all, <laughs> but I, honestly, though, no, I. I the biggest storyline to me out of everything was that like how these like hillbillies are having <laughs> this freaking like damn near mob business going on like underlying you know that the whole world doesn't know about you Nuts. know and they're trading exotic animals and so on and so forth and you look like them they all look like you know I hate to say it this way but they look like trailer trash oh, like, yeah <laughs> a whole bunch of them were on meth and yeah yeah it's just a crazy story but I mean. It, it, it's it's movie material. To me. You know what I mean. <laughs> I mean, they're the making a movie that, out of it. Yeah, they're gonna yeah, do a scripted version of it. Uh, it's definitely movie material. It's it's funny because I, I I also said something on Twitter, and it's funny you guys even talk about on Twitter because half the people don't even know that's me on there. But <laughs> <laughs> I said the other day, I was like, yo, it really feels like Joe Exotic is our president. Like, but to yo. an extent, it kind of does. Yo, you know? oh my god, <laughs> it's. It, these these times are just I can't even wrap my head around it on a daily basis. Like every it's it's like they're choosing to do every single thing wrong. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um. Wait. But, real real quick on 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 uh, animals. Do you have any like traditional home pets uh, these a, days? A golden retriever. Okay. The ultimate family dog. And that, yes. <laughs> and so that's that's a little more um even keeled. Yeah. A little easier to manage. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> sit, sit, lay, play. Yeah, <laughs> nice and easy. Doesn't scare the interns. That's right. Um, At all. Listen, Lake. Uh, we love you. Take care of you and yours. Uh, keep keep a keep a handle on everything, all your business and everything during these these crazy days. Uh, we're looking forward to everything that's coming out of your camp, and uh, we'll be checking in on you soon. All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate you guys keeping me uh, alive and well. Watch, listening to you guys daily. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you. All right, thanks. All right, Jeff, let's get on the phone with Murder Beats. Yeah. Yo, what's what happening? Up? What's up, guys? How are you? I'm good, man. I just woke up. Oh, well, <laughs> well then you're really good. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right, so take us through uh, what is a regular day for you during quarantine. Does that mean that every day you're waking up at 5 o'clock at night? Well, I'm I'm on the I'm on the West Coast. Yeah, so. it's two o'clock oh, over there. Sorry, sorry, two yeah. o'clock in the afternoon. Eric like, just woke up. <laughs> a regular quarantine day with Young Murda. I'm waking up midnight to. I mean, I'm my, my bad. I'm waking up noon to like five o'clock. I get up. I eat some food. Start making some music or listening to some new music, and then I'll go play some video games for a bit, and then I just keep rotating. Honestly, go back to making music and then go back to video games. And then, like, I kind of get in my vibe, like, whenever the the sun, like, the sun goes down, I kind of, like, turn on my, my cool little lights, get my little vibe going. You know what I'm saying? And then, yeah. Yeah. Cook up and play Call of Duty pretty much till, like, Do you have the headset? For, what, for Xbox? For, like, uh, Call of Duty. Like, are you yelling at kids? <laughs> I'm not yelling at kids, but um, I'm playing, like, with people I know and shit. Like, other people. Oh, okay. Got it. I didn't know if you were, like, talking to, like, some random 12-year-olds and being like, fuck <laughs> you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not gonna lie like i was playing nascar the other day and i was talking some shit and i got banned from talking for two days whoa wait they have that yeah i didn't know there were any rules also nascar <laughs> yeah like i don't know like i like i like my family was into nascar when i was a kid so like i've always like loved racing 
So so on on the NASCAR game, you're really doing like 200, 300, 500 laps? No, I'll do like eight. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So you're you're out in L.A. Um, I assume that the rest of your family is back east. Yep. How has this whole thing been not yeah, only like, do, being – Do you feel like very far away? Um, Not really because like I've kind of like – based my whole living around LA now so it's kind of normal mm. so like I kind of chose like like when they were like closing the borders and everything was getting serious I kind of chose to be here than be back in Canada okay well question just because the Canadian healthcare system is so good yeah why <laughs> I don't have Canadian healthcare anymore I don't think wow because I spend too much time in America so. Oh, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> that will do it. Um, how has business been for the last, like, three weeks or so or four weeks? Because because everybody that we talk to obviously is at home, but not everybody is working. Because you have some artists who are like, yo, I'm so focused. This is the time for me to really double down on everything. And then you have some people who are like, you know what? I'm not so sure where my inspiration is at right now. I don't necessarily have an engineer. I'm not an engineer. How do you find the work process has changed uh, in this time? I'm like so deep in my bag right now. I'm going crazy. Like I love it. <laughs> like, honestly, like um, it's just like I don't know. I feel like it's like wait, when when like the world's normal and shit. There's so much more to do, right? Like, yeah. Go out, go eat, go do this, go to the studio. But then when you go to the studio, you get sidetracked because you fucking see someone you know in the parking lot and you see someone you know in the next studio beside you and it's like it's always some and then there's more people around you so then obviously more people causes more distraction too even if you're working with people you end up talking about some shit or whatever you know what i mean yeah so now it's like i'm kind of stuck in the crib so i'm kind of forced to work and i've and i've been finding a lot of inspiration lately so i'm actually making like amazing music right now i'm making a lot of music and i'm just like my mind is just like dinging like a light bulb right now. I'm coming up with all these ideas. Like I came up with an idea to make my first ever drum kit and release it on Splice a couple weeks ago. Super dope. That's dope. It's like been bought over like a million times. Like it's very like, awesome. Like you know, so it's just like the entrepreneur side of murder is like really working right now, and like the producer side of murder is really working right now, and the artist side of murder is really working right now. Yeah, okay, I know you're dropping a new song. Yeah, I released my, my first single of the year, Banana Split, featuring YNW, Melly, and Lil Dirt, and that's doing really well, too. So Congratulations on that. It. I appreciate it. Yeah. So, um, talking about your home setup, like, as opposed to going to, like, the record plant or, like, you know, another big studio where it's, like, you know, the biggest speakers and a, an SSL board that people use as, like, a table and, uh, you know, everything else. What do you have going on in your home studio and how much stuff did you have to bring in knowing that you would be home all the time? So, this is kind of crazy. Um, <clears throat> so, I was, like, in the middle of, like, getting a new crib when all this shit was happening oh, by so the I, way like, the idea of moving during this time is the worst would make me pull out my hair yeah so like i had everything in storage from last year because i went on tour and i moved out of my, my house so i was about to get a new house this year so i've been in an airbnb the last couple of months i was like literally looking at houses and then this corona shit happened and then it kind of shut down everything wait so now i'm kind of like i'm still in the airbnb you're kidding yeah like I'm paying month to month in an Airbnb, and it's like it's like a wavy crib. I like it, but it's like <laughs> I was not 
I wasn't planning on being here till like fucking July or some shit. Well, like okay, I was trying so to be here for a month. Every Airbnb obviously has something weird about it because it's not the home that you actually picked out. It's just like you were there for a temporary amount of time. What's one weird thing about the house that you currently are in? Uh, the property is kind of small, oh. but the house is nice. That's good because we've had situations. Yeah, if, like you'll go in there and like it'll look all like great on the website, but then you'll get there and the shower head is like a foot shorter than you expect <laughs> it to be, or like there's a hit, there's a closet that's like don't touch anything in here, like something. <laughs> there's always something weird about the Airbnbs that we've gone to. Yeah, there's definitely that. They like hit the router and like the internet and shit. Damn, but it's all like everything in the house is like freshly renovated, and we're the first people in here, so it's actually like really good. That's so, good. Okay, so. When you get a sense, so wait, 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 wait. So wait, back, wait, back to that question though. So pretty much, the kitchen table in the kitchen, I have my portable Xbox station on the on on that kitchen table. Yeah. And then on the other yeah. side of the kitchen table, I have like my two speakers and my laptop. So like, I'm literally just sitting in the kitchen, like playing video games, making beats, like every day. So I am so happy that Murda remembered the question because I had forgotten. I know. It. Same here. Same. I here. was like, we asked the question. <laughs> Wait, so everything everything revolves around your kitchen table. Do you also eat at your kitchen table or is that done like somewhere else? No, I eat I eat on the the couch in the living room. It's kind of opposite. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh you've been staying in this Airbnb for the last uh bunch of months. When when the world, you get a sense that the world is going to like sort of come to a standstill, were you freaking out? Were you like uh I Am I going to stay at this place? Do I have to buy a house like right now? Like, how'd you come to the decision? And did you talk to the uh, Airbnb owners and, and work something out that was beneficial for both of you? Yeah, yeah. We I talked to them. We got like, a lower rate. And then, um, I don't know. I just kind of prepared. Bought, bought some more food for, for, st- for stashing it. And then, yeah, I don't know. Just like, honestly, like I live my life going with the flow. So, you know, I'm just going with the flow. You never know. Um, so this episode that we're putting out, it's going to have you and Kenny Beats on it, um, separately, obviously, but, uh, there, there was this like thing where people wanted you and him to battle on Instagram live, but I don't want to talk about that. I want to know what are you better than Kenny Beats at not including music? (laughs) Driving. (laughs) (laughs) Are you actually like in real life, not on your NASCAR, uh, simulation, a really good driver. I'm amazing. I'm the best driver. Everybody, like, if you know me, if 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 I'm like in your mutual friends or in your friends, I'm the best driver. You know, like from day one, like when you were like first learning to drive. Yeah, like I'm pretty fucking good. I've been playing like I've been playing like fucking racing games and like and like driving like those little kid cars since I was like four years old. Is Again, that right? Not the same. But <laughs> are you um wait driving driving since you were like four years old? Yeah. Like in in races? No, like okay. the little cars, you know, like the little. No, know, no, for sure. I didn't. I didn't know if they had like a league for like you know like. Uh, no, I've never. I've never been in a race like that. But I street race and I crush everybody. Whoa, that's dope. I I honestly did not expect this to go like where this is going, but I love it. <laughs> Wait, look at like I really want to race in the Daytona Five Hundred. Like I want that to be like a like a thing on my bucket list before I die. Have you have you driven around tracks? Like have you gone to like private courses and like, you know, driven around? No, I'm going to do it for the first time this summer if this corona shit goes away. Were there like plans to do that? Like uh, how far down like the road have you preferably gone? Like I've called I've called racetracks. I wanted to take my car out on the track, but you need like a 
whole roll cage in the car and a yeah. bunch of shit. Well, what kind of car do you have? I have a Lamborghini Urus, a Lambo what? truck. Wow. For a second, I thought you were gonna be like, I don't know, Nissan Sentra. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, so you've been in this Airbnb for for a while. Uh, you didn't think it was gonna be this long, considering uh, that you are making beats every day. Do your neighbors have anything to say about this? No, not really. Because now is like the weird time when everyone is home. Yeah, so a lot of people are like picking up instruments. Yeah. And also just like, well, at least like our neighbors. We live in New York. So like you can hear when people start like learning how to play drums. <laughs> and it's like not the ideal time to do that. You, however, are like an accomplished musician. So Yeah, but it's still, it's loud. And yeah. it's, it's, you know. Yeah, every- I'm not, I'm like. I, I like my shit really loud, so I'm not playing it like at the levels that I would be playing it at normally, but I'm still playing it at like a level where it is still loud to someone else. But there's no complaints, honestly. I think everyone's just kind of like relaxed and chilled at their home. Yeah. Are you the type of guy who is gonna like work all night because that's just the vibe that you like? Like if you're in if you're in like the yeah, you're pre, not doing like nine to five. The pre-COVID world, you're you're gonna work like overnights, right? I feel like the pop world is like nine to five and then like the urban world and like the cool world is like five to nine. So well, but, but Nicki Minaj and everybody, like they do like... Nicki, yeah, Nicki does the mornings. Yeah. People like Bun B uh, like to work. Yeah, like, no, yeah, true, true. Because yeah. like a lot of rappers I work with, they, they really like mornings now. But I don't know. It's like, it's like cool, but I'd rather work at night. So you... It's, you it's like a routine. Like I've been, you know, like... Like, I'm 26 now, so, like, when I was, like, 21, like, I was pulling, like, all-nighters, staying up for two days. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I was doing that till like, a couple years ago, and then I kind of stopped, you know, because it's, like, very unhealthy. Yeah. Oh, I get it. <laughs> so, wait, by the way, before I, – I do more it's, questions it's really, about this. It, it's, really, it's really, like, whenever, like, inspiration strikes, you know? Like, if I'm, like, on a roll and I made, like, 15 amazing beats I'm really happy with, I'm going to keep keep going, you know? Um, I love that you have both a Buffalo accent and a Toronto accent because you grew up like I have right a across. Buffalo accent? A little bit because you start saying like ours, like <laughs> like a little bit of that. Fuck, that's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Was were you like closer to Buffalo growing up, or were you closer to Toronto? Wait, okay, I lived on the border. I grew up on the border of Buffalo, so I was like five minutes, less than five minutes from Buffalo, and I was like an hour and like some change away from Toronto. So what does it, like, feel like? Because, you know, Toronto is something where it's like, okay, Drake, Weekend, like, that's become, like, a hub for, you know, music yeah, it, it's in a, the last It's a known entity. Like, people understand that. Yeah. Buffalo has never been at the center of, like, culture, not since, like, Rick James. And now you have Griselda, like, you yeah. know, popping Shout up. Shout out at, to Griselda. Yeah. How does, to- that, how does that feel? So it's crazy. So, like. So, like, when I, like, when I was, like, making beats for, like, when I was, like, two months into making beats, I was, like, man, like, I'm going to go to Buffalo, and I'm going to meet some rappers. So, I started going to Buffalo a lot, right? I met this guy, John Boy, off the internet. He was, like, signed to Soldier Boy or something at the time. Oh, right. Yeah. So, I hit up John Boy, and then I started chilling with him all the time. He started taking me to the hood and shit. I didn't know what I was doing, but I was just trying to just, like, I was just enjoying myself. I was, like, starting to get into really making music with artists so i was like this is fun you know yeah so he would he would would take me like one or two studios in buffalo and that's actually i met conway you're kidding this is like this is like nine years ago whoa wow yeah so So, i met conway in the studio this is before he got shot no this is after he got shot i've known him i've known conway from from those times so 
You know, shout out to him. That you guys maintained the relationship. When I saw them pop off, I was like, man, this is fucking awesome. You know, like I was happy for him. That's so dope. Have you guys maintained a relationship all these years? Um, just kind of like here and there. Um, recently, more in the past like six months, we we started talking, and honestly, I forgot to send him a pack of beats, so I'll do that today. But he definitely, he definitely like knows you as that same murder from back then. Hundred percent. That's so crazy. It's nothing but love and respect because, like, even though I'm not from Buffalo, it's like we still come from like the same part of the world. You, know? you have the same accent. <laughs> <laughs> um, has living in Los Angeles turned you into a Los Angelino? Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm still young murder man. I'm, I'm you know, I, I'm around Canadians. Like my assistant's Canadian, my photographer's Canadian, my manager's Canadian. Um. Some producers I work with are Canadian. A lot of, you know, we keep Canadians around us, you know? Yeah, the only thing not Canadian about you is your health insurance. <laughs> yeah, kind of. So, do you ever go back home uh, to get inspired? Like, to, to get that type of, of sort of energy from, from Toronto? Outside Toronto. I'm not going to lie. Whenever I go to Toronto or go back home to Niagara, I'm always getting, like, crazy inspiration. Or, like, I'll go back to, like, places where my friends make music and I'll make beats there and I'll make amazing work. So I got to start going back more. Like I guess I feel like, but that's the thing though. I feel like being in LA on a regular day basis when you're just moving, everything's normal. You can, I kind of get like flustered and try to like find inspiration. But right now is a time where I just have it. Murder. So living in Los Angeles, uh, there's obviously a ton of artists out there and everyone's made it a home and a hub to, uh, to make it easy to collaborate. Um, you know, people like Alchemist have a ton of people go over to, to his crib. Rick Rubin has a ton of people go over to his crib. How much is, is that type of energy around you? And do you like people coming to you to sit down and collaborate? Yeah, I love it. Um, usually though, like I kind of just make like my hub like the studios, and we kind of just get in like that, you know. Yeah. But yeah, like like you know, it, it's a it's a big one to like link up with artists in person and really build that relationship and build that chemistry in person, you know. Yeah. Because yeah. anybody anybody can send beats and and get and and make songs, but when you actually like get in there with the artist and get hands on and get vocal and stuff, like that's when like it, you guys really like form like a bond and like and like make like a really good chemistry to make some great music well who are some artists that like are vocal about what they want um like me and the Migos are very vocal with each other me and party next door you Mm. know like those are like my top two considering the the coronavirus and preparedness and all that what is the the one thing that you have way too much of right now and what do you have the biggest need for um the biggest need sushi. <laughs> I love sushi. And I had it the last day before they closed all the restaurants down out here. So that was probably about a month ago. Damn. Um, and what I'm having too much of, honestly, I think I'm doing pretty good. Listen, Murder, congratulations on your on your new single. Congratulations on the music you're about to roll out. Congratulations on your Airbnb. And, uh, and congratulations on the house that I think you'll have a lot of time to check out on Zillow and uh, consider whether or not you, <laughs> you want to get it. Uh, stay safe out there. Stay washing your hands and stay indoors. And uh, hopefully we'll talk to you soon, all right? All right, you too, guys. Shout out to Murder Beats. Shout out to our friend Lake. And shout out to Kenny Beats. Jeff, are we back tomorrow? We are back every day forever. As always, guys, now for real, for real. Sure, sure. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Brrrah!